You're listening to The Word of Hope, a radio ministry of Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. Our preacher is Pastor Brian Wolfmuller with today's Word of Hope. In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear Peyton, God be praised for your baptism this day. Because in your baptism, the Lord Jesus has put his name on you and marked you as one redeemed by him who was crucified. And he's taken your name and he's written it in the book of life. Written with His blood, it cannot be washed away. In baptism, you're adopted into the Lord's family. You're clothed in Christ. You're given all the benefits of Jesus' death and resurrection. They're all brought to you, to all of us who are baptized, that we would rejoice in them and delight in them. For he who believes and is baptized shall be saved, says Jesus. And that's a promise. In baptism... Jesus transfers us from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of His glorious light in which we have redemption, the forgiveness of our sins. Baptism sets us on a life of joy and of peace in believing in the Lord's kindness. And this means that the Lord's baptized people are different. Now, this is true for all of us. Now, it doesn't mean that when we're baptized that our muscles somehow grow bigger or our teeth get whiter or our minds get bigger or our, uh, 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 we're always happy and never sad and this sort of thing. And in a lot of ways, the Lord's baptized people are just like everybody else. The baptized put on their pants one leg at a time, just like everybody else. The baptized get up and go to work. They come home. They care for their children. They work and they drive and they play And they rejoice in the things of this world. But in a number of ways, the baptized people of the Lord are different than those who are not baptized. We have that in the texts today. In fact, we got, this is bonus sermons, we got three texts with three little mini-sermons on three ways that the baptized are different. And the first is the Old Testament, Isaiah 40. The baptized are good at waiting. (laughs) Christians are good at waiting. Now you're thinking to yourself, maybe I'm not a Christian. Well, this little section is going to be law for you then. (laughs) Because the Lord gives us patience. Now, this is a frustrating thing. Isaiah says this, "...even youths faint and are weary, and young men fall exhausted." But they who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. And we look at the text and we say, really? Waiting? Why doesn't Isaiah say something like, those who pray to the Lord will renew their strength? We can handle that. Or those who believe the Lord's promise will renew their strength. That would be good. Or those who go to Jerusalem and offer a sacrifice. That would be fantastic. We could delight in that sort of thing. But that's not what Isaiah says. Those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like eagles. Now, this Christian waiting is not just kind of sitting around, twiddling our thumbs, doing nothing. This Christian waiting is full of faith. It's full of prayer. It's full of the Lord's promises. But still it is waiting. I've heard, I don't know if you all have heard this before, but I've heard people say that there's three answers that the Lord gives to our prayers. 
He either says yes or no or wait. Now, I, I don't know if that's right or not. In fact, I'm not sure it is. I think the Lord has one answer to our prayers, and it is yes, wait. <laughs> The Lord never answers our prayers immediately. At least it doesn't seem that, that to me, and it doesn't seem like that in the Scriptures. Every cry after cry, prayer after prayer, the Lord's people cry out to Him, and then they are set into a life of waiting for the Lord to come and deliver them, for the Lord to come and rescue them, for the Lord to make His presence known and, his, and manifest His power. That's why the Psalms are full. Uh, we were looking at one yesterday, Psalm 6. They're full of this prayer. How long, O oh Lord? How long will we wait? How long will, you, will we wait for you to come and defend our name from all the slander? How long will we wait for you to come and give us some relief from the troubles of this life? How long will we wait for you to come and heal and comfort us in the midst of our mourning? How long will we wait for you to come again to rescue us from this valley of death, to manifest yourself in glory, and to bring us to the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting? How long, O oh Lord, but we wait. And we wait trusting in the Lord's promises. We wait knowing that what he says is true. And this is why our waiting puts us on eagle's wings. The contrast with the wings of an eagle are the wings of a chicken. <laughs> now, it's a good thing that the text doesn't say that. Those who wait on the Lord will mount up on wings like chickens. <laughs> You've seen chickens try to fly? You know, they're like this ball of frenetic energy and feathers are flying off in every different direction. And it seems like they exert all of their strength to get up on top of a fence post. <laughs> now, contrast that to an eagle who simply spreads out its wings and is lifted up. I remember one time uh, we were standing on the edge of the Grand Canyon. And I don't think it was an eagle. It was a buzzard, but the same idea. <laughs> it was circling, and it found one of these flumes, and it was down in the canyon, and it circled and circled and got higher and higher and higher until it was even with us. And then it kept going higher and higher and higher until it was up, you know, some great height. And it didn't even flap its wings once. So are we who wait on the Lord, who trust not in our own efforts or on our own works, but trust in the Lord to come to us, to deliver us, and to give us all that we need. So we wait, that is, we trust and we pray. And we rest in His promises. The first mark of the baptized is that we are good at waiting. The second mark of the baptized, 1 Thessalonians 4, is that we are pure. For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. Christians, the Lord's baptized, are pure. Our lives are not full of sexual immorality, of violence, of murder, of greed, or of theft, but rather of purity and self-control. 
For Jesus has not baptized us into a life of following after our own passions and chasing after our own lusts, but rather a life of desiring those things that are good and the things that are holy. So says St. Paul, set your minds on things above, things that are noble and pure and good. Let no sexual immorality be named among you, says St. Paul. Because you are bought with a price. Because you are baptized. Because you belong to the Lord Jesus. All other sins, again, St. Paul, a man commits outside his body. But sexual immorality, a man commits inside his body. So that he contrasts sexual immorality with joining Jesus to a prostitute. And says it, sh- it should not be so. For when you were baptized... You were washed, you were cleansed, and you were clothed with the white garment of Christ and his righteousness. The third mark of the baptized, and now we're at the gospel, is that they are persistent in prayer. This gospel text from Matthew chapter 15 is one of the most astonishing texts. It's in fact shocking. I think Jesus is always shocking, but here he's particularly shocking. He's walking along in the region of Tyre and Sidon and a Canaanite woman, Syrophoenician woman, comes to him and falls down at his feet and begs him to heal her daughter who is possessed or at least oppressed by a demon. And Jesus says to her, nothing. It's it's hard to even imagine it. This person crying out after Jesus and he acts like he can't even hear her. We read that and we think, how rude. In fact, if if the Lord treated us like that, we say, well, forget it. I'll go find someone else to help. But she doesn't. She persists. She cries out all the more so that the disciples have to come to Jesus and say, Jesus, are you going to do something about this woman? She's following us around. She won't stop crying and praying and begging. Send her away. So Jesus turns to her, or, sorry, he turns to his disciples and says, I was only sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. It's as if Jesus is saying, so that this woman can hear her, I didn't come for you. And she doesn't believe him. <laughs> she keeps praying. She keeps insisting. She keeps, she keeps throwing herself on the, for the sake of her daughter at the feet of Jesus and says, Lord, help me. And then finally, he turns to her and you'd think this would be the last straw. And he says to her these words. Now, listen. Jesus says to this poor woman, begging for him to help her with her daughter who has a demon, he says, it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Jesus calls her a dog. This is an incredible insult. Jesus is saying to her, you're not part of the Lord's people. Who, Who are you? You're not Israel. I didn't come for you. I'm not going to waste my time with you. I'm not going to take the things that I came to do, (coughs) the gifts that I came to give, and give them to you. I am not for you. But she continues. She persists. She doesn't give up. In fact, she, she listens to what Jesus says, and she grabs onto it as a promise. She says, Yes, Lord, but even the dogs eat the crumbs 
that fall from the master's table. Now, uh, we don't know exactly what happened at that point, but in my own mind, I cannot help but think that the Lord's face lights up and a smile comes across his cold mouth and he turns to her and he gives to her the greatest compliment, a compliment that he only uses twice. Oh, woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. Now, Luther is great on this preaching, and I've told you what he says before, that this woman grabs Jesus at his word and will not let go. If you will call me a dog, then I will be a dog and ask only for what the dog needs. This is a kind of dogged prayer that the Lord sets us to. This persistence in clinging to the Lord's word, asking him for what he's promised and not letting go until he delivers it. So the baptized are persistent in prayer. Now, that's quite a list. The baptized are good at waiting. The baptized are pure. The baptized are persistent in prayer. And that's why the expertise of the baptized is the fourth thing. And it is this. The Lord's baptized are repentant. (laughs) The Lord's baptized know their sin. The Lord's baptized know that they fall short, don't we? That the Lord's standard of law and gospel we have not kept. That we have not prayed as we ought. We have not waited as we ought. We have not been pure as we ought to be pure. And we bring our sins before the Lord who should, because of our sin, destroy us. And we find there a merciful God and Savior. Baptism means that we are daily dying to the flesh and rising to newness of life. That we are daily confessing our sins and hearing the Lord's answer to our sins, which is not, I condemn you, but is instead, I forgive you. The Lord's response to our sin is not, I hate you, but rather, I love you. His response to our sin is not drawing himself away from us, but rather coming to us in our very own flesh and blood, bearing our sin, dying on the cross, raising, being raised from the dead for you. So that he can, so that he can keep you and have you and call you his own. In your baptism, Jesus put his name on you which means he will not give up on you. And he will never let you go. So the Lord's baptized are repentant. We know our sin. And we know the promised mercy of our God. That he is gracious and long-suffering. That he is dead and raised. That he is merciful and kind. And that he is yours. And you are his. Amen. May God be praised for this glorious gift of baptism. Amen. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.
We hope you were blessed by today's Word of Hope. Hope Lutheran Church is located at 1345 Macon Street in Aurora, Colorado. Their weekly schedule is as follows. Sunday morning worship at 9.15, adult Bible class and youth Sunday school at 10.45 a.m. On Tuesday mornings, there is a matin service at 8.30 a.m. with a Bible class to follow at 9.30 a.m. You can find out more about Hope Lutheran Church at www.hope-aurora.org. That's www.hope-aurora.org. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you in His grace.